Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Cincy Shirts, Cincy 360, about Cincinnati, from Cincinnati. Sponsored in part by Cincy Shirts. Cincy Shirts, all Cincy, all day. This is ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Welcome back. Hour number three, Cincy 360, a service of Cincy Shirts on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station, kicking things off with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Spring ball getting underway Monday. We heard a little bit of Scott Satterfield earlier in the show. Uh, Wes Miller and the Bearcats' final regular season game coming up on Sunday at Fifth Third Arena versus SMU. Let's talk all things Bearcats to kick off this hour with the man that covers the Bearcats for the Athletic. Joining us right now, Justin Williams. Justin, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you, Tony? I'm good. I'm good. We uh, we had a chance to to hear from Scott Satterfield today. We had a chance to hear from both coordinators. Dante Corleone spent uh, some time speaking as well. Uh, was there anything that jumped out to you that maybe going in uh, ends up being a little bit of a surprise ahead of spring ball coming up on Monday? I don't think there's anything of a surprise. I mean, you know, the surprise was when we talked, what, a week or so ago, and they had to kind of replace these three assistant coaches on the fly that were kind of grabbed for, for new jobs last minute. So this is our first chance to talk to to Brad Glenn, who's the new offensive coordinator. So it was interesting to get kind of his background and perspective and just, you know, how comfortable he is not only with Coach Satterfield, but he's worked with so much of this offensive staff, whether it was at uh, Appalachian State or he worked with some people at Western Carolina. And so you can see why he was kind of an obvious fit to bring in and the other side was like you know stat's been honest about this so far and and brian brown talked about the defensive coordinator they haven't really got on the field yet with these guys you know they've seen them doing workouts and maybe running around in shorts and things like that but they haven't put the pads on they haven't been able to hit yet so they're kind of going into the spring ball with a completely clean slate in terms of the depth chart and where guys go whether that's someone who was a starter the year before or somebody transferred in or or somebody who's maybe a young guy that hadn't had a chance to play much they're kind of going into it and saying, all right, every spot is up for grabs. Everybody has kind of earned their their reputation here. And so I think it'll be re- really interesting to see which players emerge here in the next couple of weeks and, and who the coaching staff kind of starts uh, gravitating towards. I, I got to ask, since you've been covering Cincinnati, is this your most unique and interesting spring ball? One, because of the unknown of, of what this roster is. Uh, two, because the last coaching change that, that the football program had it wasn't in the era of the transfer portal and and NIL to where it is now. So I look at this with so many questions of what the roster is going to be and how active is this staff going to be in this spring portal as well once they kind of see what they have on the field. But is this the most interesting spring you're getting ready to embark on? I don't know. It's funny you say that because one spring got cut short because of COVID, right? So, like, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, And then the next year, you know, they they go into it with, like, some serious talk about, hey, we have a chance to to make the college football playoff if if they play well. So that that was different. But this is definitely, it's just the biggest change because so much of the success this team has had is the continuity, whether it's, you know, players like Desmond Ritter or on staff, especially with Luke Fickle. And so now you, you're right. You have just a completely different staff, a completely different mentality and culture. I mean, 
you know, Scott Satterfield and Luke Fickle, they're both football coaches. They are not really alike at all in terms of, you know, they're, they're motivating, they're, their style. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how a new head coach, a new staff, meshes with a lot of guys who were recruited under Luke Fickle and the previous staff. And so you're, you're right. They also, you know, Satterfield talked today, like this roster is not finished, right? They're going to go into that May transfer portal and they're going to be looking for some positions. They're probably going to have guys on their roster right now who go through spring ball, who go into the portal and look to move elsewhere. So it is kind of interesting to see, all right, how do things look as you go along spring? And then it's almost like you have this other little mini free agency where what are some places we need to add to what are some some guys we need to replace once may hits and it'll kind of be interesting to see how all that plays out over the next couple weeks does it become a high likelihood at this point i I look at uh emory jones ben bryant evan prater brady lichtenberg and, and and more is it is it a foregone conclusion at this point that after spring ball one of those guys is likely to hit the portal because there's just not you look at how many years of eligibility these guys got. They obviously want to play. Would you envision one of the quarterbacks at least hitting the portal after the spring? Yeah, I mean, look, like, you know, I know they're going into it with a clean slate in terms of depth chart, but let's be honest, this is Emory Jones' job to lose, right? Like, that's why they brought this guy in here. You know, he, he was brought in because he's a fit for Satterfield's system and offense. And, you know, not saying they're going to hand it to him, but, you know, he's going to have to go out and, and probably not perform very well in order to not be kind of tabbed the starter coming out of spring. And if that's the case, all right, if you're Ben Bryant, you're probably looking to move somewhere else because this is your absolute final year of eligibility. You came back uh, coming off an injury. Satterfield mentioned today he's going to be able to do some stuff early in the spring, but maybe not full go until after spring break. So uh, unless Ben Bryant really believes he has a true shot to win the starting job heading into the fall, I can't imagine him saying, you know, once that portal opens and then yeah other than that what does Evan Prater do what does Brady Lichtenberg do I would think if one of those guys feels like they have a good hold on the backup spot maybe that's enough motivation to stay you know and you still have multiple years if if you want to try and come back and win it the next season but uh, will both of them stay and and then you start getting into would would both of them leave because you do want to have some type of experience as a as a backup spot you don't want to have Brady Drogras the incoming freshman kind of being that number two guy so I'm with you I think that wider or that quarterback room excuse me is going to be really interesting to see how does it look the first couple of days of spring and then how does it change once we hit that may portal does wide receiver in your opinion become the the most interesting position battle of of, of spring ball just because there's so much unknown there or if not what are you looking for most no i'm totally with you it's wide receiver you know we talked about that today Keyshawn helton who was a guy they pulled out of the portal from Florida State coach Satterfield mentioned he's not going to be able to play this season I get the sense he's probably done playing you know football just based on some some hip injury issues that he's had so that's one less number you have uh Chris Scott is the only player who has a collegiate catch in a Cincinnati Bearcats uniform that is on this roster right now so it's completely wide open you have some guys in D Wiggins and Donovan Ali two transfers they brought in who have experience who have done good things in other schools but like you, you can say, hey, the the depth chart's wide open, but you probably have a pretty good sense that defensive line or, or linebacker, or running back, who some of those guys are going to be at wide receiver. To me, it's truly wide open. I think they're going to go into it, and they don't have a ton of numbers, but whoever emerges from that is probably going to have a ton of opportunity. Uh, outside of of spring ball, it, it is now the the NFL Combine. Uh, I know that there's a lot of interest in what Trey Scott and and or Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott are going to run. Ivan Pace has already come out and been very open about his height and, and if he was taller. What are you expecting from the Bearcats as the combine gets underway? Because this is historically a group in the last couple of years that, that bodes 
and shows very well at the combine. Are you expecting the same from these guys this week? Yeah, definitely. Especially, but you know, Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, Josh Wiley, even even Lenny Taylor. I think those guys are going to test really well. You know, they, they worked under Brady Collins. We saw last year with all those guys, Alec Pierce, Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter were able to do at the combine. I, I think those guys are going to perform really well. Ivan Pace is really interesting because I think a lot of what teams are going to take away from Ivan Pace is maybe not the stuff that you see when they're measuring them or running them through the 40. I think, you know, interviews and, and what they see when, when they get him in the room and they're able to kind of draw things up on the board or what they see when they just put his film on, that's what's going to make the difference for him because you're right, he's not going to be able to change his height. He's not going to be able to change some of the limitations he would have in terms of being a coverage linebacker. But he's also a guy who was a you know, unanimous first-team All-American for a reason. Uh, so I think those differences – how do those other guys help their draft stock by maybe performing well in terms of the measurables? And then what does Ivan Pace do behind the scenes that might help his stock? Justin Williams covering the Bearcats for The Athletic. Let me spend a few more minutes on the, the basketball side. We have Senior Day coming up. Uh, but but go back real quick. That Memphis game, it, it's the latest in just a long line of flashes where you see stuff from this team, but also just some frustrating play as well. Um, not good from the foul line, 20 turnovers. How how do you balance, how does Wes Miller balance that? Because there are positives that this team shows. And, and to turn the ball over 20 times at Memphis and still be in it at the end is a feat in itself. But th- they're still lacking that marquee win. They're still lacking that game where they weren't expected to win that they went in and took. So how do you continue to take the positives but also deal with these frustrations we see? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. If you want to, you can pull positives out. And Wes Miller talked about that a little bit after the game in Memphis, that you know they had a bunch of turnovers, first half and second half. The second half, they responded a little bit better to them. It's not like they cut down on the turnovers, which you would have hoped to see them do, but they handled it a little better. They, they fought back. But I'm with you. I kind of compared the, you know, the road Memphis game to the road Houston game because, in my mind, they went in there. Cincinnati played really well for, for 30 minutes. Didn't fall apart, but Houston kind of turns it on at the end and comes out with a win. But, you know, I think you feel a lot better about yourself after that game as opposed to this game in Memphis that you know is going to be hard to win, but you just don't go in and, and play well. You're not up for it. Memphis comes out. It, it clearly meant more to them in terms of the NCAA tournament and all kinds of that kind of stuff. They came out. They guarded Cincinnati real hard. They forced a bunch of turnovers. Cincinnati just didn't handle it well and didn't respond well until the very end. And I think at this point you would like to see – not that you have to go into Memphis and win, but you'd like to see this team be a little bit more prepared or do a little bit better job of handling those bigger game situations, and they just didn't do it on Sunday. A lot is still playing out in the American Athletic Conference. From a seeding standing standpoint alone, what does Sunday represent and mean for the Bearcats as it relates to the American Athletic Conference tournament? I don't think it'll mean much. They already have a bye, uh, and really whether you get the four or the five seed, it doesn't matter because four and five play each other in, right. after that first round bye. I'll have to look and see. I think Tulane still has two games left. I think they were the only team that had a chance to maybe drop a couple and Cincinnati could potentially get up into that third spot. But I think what's most likely is Cincinnati probably goes out and wins against SMU. They certainly should. That would put them in the four seed. And then if that's the case, they have to beat Temple, a team who – you know, took them to overtime at home and, and beat them on the road. And if you're able to do that, then you're most likely getting Houston in the next round. So, like, they have their work cut out for them. Uh, and if they're going to go and pull off any kind of magical run, they're going to definitely have to earn it. So I think you want to see them come out and play well on senior night Sunday. Uh, but then they're definitely going to have a challenge heading to Fort Worth next week. Yeah, Tulane is so interesting to me because they, they play East Carolina um, last night. 
and they they get trounced on the road at East Carolina. Now they got to turn around. They play East Carolina uh, at home tomorrow, and then they host Temple. Right now, one game ahead of UC, so UC could essentially jump into that spot, and 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 we don't know what the seeding is going to mean going forward, but. That there is still something out there from a game standpoint alone against SMU, and I don't want to get in the details of of how to win. It, it's just such a different college basketball right now, and I know Wes has talked about this this week. You only know for sure the guys that don't have any eligibility left. Is that how senior night is going to be handled in this new COVID year transfer portal type of mentality? Yeah, we asked him about it this week, and, and he said the, the three seniors they're going to recognize are the guys who cannot play college basketball after this year. And so that's David DeJulius, Kalua Zekpe, and Rob Finnessy. You know, not including there is a guy, John Newman, who coming into the season, this was supposed to be his very last season, but he gets hurt. He's going to be looking to get a medical red shirt. And then you have guys like Jeremiah Davenport, Mike Adams-Woods, who are four-year senior Bearcats, but they could technically still play another year. Uh, Landers Nolly is a guy who's going to be going into – his sixth year next year, but can still come back and have an extra year of eligibility. So it's definitely strange. It's one of the many quirks of like that added COVID bonus season. Uh, And just because guys aren't walking, doesn't mean that they're definitely going to be back next season. But I think the way they've approached it is we're going to have those three guys who know this is their last college, you know, senior night opportunity. And and we're going to honor them. The, uh, the, the conversation from Wes talking about, you know, wanting as many of those guys back as possible, I think to an extent becomes coach speak because you, you've got to still finish out this season realistically on, on a team right now that is 10 and 7 in the American Athletic Conference and fighting for their 20th win of the season. Um, what, what will this roster? I feel like there's got to be some tough conversations that will be had. We know who's coming in, and I think a pretty good idea of, of maybe who the Bearcats want to try to get back, but it will lead to some tough conversations because. This team is going into the Big 12. They do need to get exponentially better going into next year. Yeah, and you know, people, there was, I know, a minor uproar when Wes Miller said, I want to have everybody back next season. Well, what do you expect him to say? He's right. up on a podium talking about senior night. He's, you know, he's not the type of coach that's going to throw somebody under the, under the bus. I also think he's not the type of coach that will, like, you know, completely force somebody out and basically, you know, boot them and, and kick them off the team. But I think you're right that he's going to sit down with everyone after the season, same way he did last year and say like, look, this is what we're looking for. This is where we need to get better next year. Uh, this is where you would play into our plans. And if the upshot of that is, well, it might be best for that player to look to transfer and play somewhere else based on what they want. Then I think Wes Miller is going to try and help to make that happen. Uh, if, if he really wants them back, I think he's going to make it clear that that's what he wants. And if a player says, like, look, you know, I want to stay here. If I have a lesser role or or something like that, that's what I want to do. Then I think Wes Miller would probably say, okay, you know, if if you say that's what you want to do, that's what we're going to do. But you're right. He's going to be very honest with them after the season. And then I think a lot of times when you do that, kind of the the expectation of, of what comes next becomes pretty clear. Justin Williams covering the uh, the Bearcats for the Athletic. We have a uh, spring ball starting on Monday. Uh, conference tournaments getting underway next week. Uh, again, the Bang- the Bearcats would have to to make a championship run, win the the conference tournament to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but with all of this happening uh, with player- Bearcats at the combine, what's the easiest way, Justin, to follow along with everything you got going on for the Bearcats? Yeah, at Williams underscore Justin on Twitter, and then uh, subscribe to theathletic.com. We have senior night or senior day on Sunday. Spring practice starts next week, and then I'm, I'm heading to uh, Fort Worth next Thursday to cover the conference tournament. There we go. Justin, always appreciate your time, man. Have a good weekend.
Thanks, Mike. Yes, sir. There he is, Justin Williams, covering the Bearcats for the Athletic. Follow Justin for uh, for everything you need for your Bearcats coverage. It is uh, it is absolutely fantastic stuff. Let's get to a break. We'll carry on with hour number three when we get back. We've still got to talk a little Reds, and we've also got to talk what the Xavier Musketeers did on the court last night. You'll hear from Sean Miller. Quick hits, locks of the night. And then you get Austin Elmore for three more hours this afternoon. This is Cincy 360, a service of Cincy Shirts on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.